0: today is Pentecost. You're exactly right. Good morning. want to wish you all a very happy Shavuot today. Today is Pentecost on the Hebrew calendar. So shab- Shalom everyone. Or as I like to say, good morning ladies and Gentiles. I was an old comedian used to say that. I can't vouch for anything else that comedian would say, but I like the good morning ladies and Gentiles thing. That was pretty good. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning. Going to be dipping our toes into Daniel chapter 1. I'm hoping we'll be able to get a pretty good clip into it this morning. Uh, But before we do, let's take some time to to say a prayer. And uh, let's remember those that are... On our hearts to pray for. Do we have anyone this morning? James is going to take our prayer list this morning. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my husband's brother, Ken Starr, is doing better. He Ken is doing better? Is doing better. And still be ICU for a number of weeks. Okay. Okay, Ken Starr. My cousin is having uh, surgery tomorrow to remove a mask. Oh. And so, his name is Steve, okay, anyone else, Pam, okay, keep her and her son in prayer, Roxanne, you look like you got something on the tip of your tongue, oh, Oh, that's okay, okay, Yeah. I would like to <clears throat> to add just the church in general. Um, I don't know today's Pentecost, and I just I pray a, a prayer of uh, anointing and blessing from the Holy Spirit for the church. Yes, ma'am. This Lisa. Lisa. Does everybody here know Lisa, by the way? Y'all need to get to know her. She's been visiting with us. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Okay. All right. Pam? Say that again. Okay. Janet Guzman. Janet Guzman. Janet Guzman. Mm hmm. She has kidney failure and uh, total colon blockage. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. Your brothers? That they find salvation. Sally, tell me your name again. I just, I just lost it. Lisa, that's right. Lisa, I'm sorry. I told you I'd have to ask you probably once or twice again. It's because somebody put me on the spot. Happens all the time. Lisa wants to pray for her brothers for salvation. Okay. Any other prayer requests before we get started? We're going to go take it to the Father in prayer. All right.
1: Holy Father, we gather in your presence and, and bow before your throne and and are just so thankful that you are our God and and we are your children uh, by your choice. Father, you have chosen us, and we are so thankful for that. Uh, we have a list that you've already heard, but I'll go through it again, Father, and, and you know the needs better than I can, can speak them. But, Father, uh, we're thankful that, that Ken Starr is making improvements. Uh, we ask that you would continue to be with him and the staff with, it, with him uh, and help him to re- regain his his health. Uh, Father, for Deborah's cousin, Steve, who's ha- having uh, surgery for a blockage this morning, we just uh, ask that you would be with that entire situation with him and, and uh, all the staff and all those who are, who are performing the surgery. Uh, for, for Pam and, and her son, uh, uh we, we just remain in prayer for them. Father, ask yes, that you would continue to, to, uh, be their guide and, and, uh, keep your arms around them and keep them aware of your presence in their lives. Uh, father, uh, the people in Uvalde have, have been through so much, and uh, I'm afraid we keep reminding them of, them of what what they've already been through, and, and they're still going through it. Father, we just ask that you would give them comfort and peace. Uh, Father, help the world to give them a time to, to uh, gather their thoughts. Uh, they they've been beset from all all directions by people trying to help and people just trying to look uh, father be with with them and in, in their situations all over the world father all, all over our country uh, uh in Tulsa uh we know there was a, a shooting in, in Ames Iowa uh, and the list just goes on and on father and this this uh world was crazy already and it's not getting any better Father we ask that you would be with all your children Father and and, uh, help us to uh, brave this storm and and, and seek seek your presence in the storm Father your church uh, is is in in great need of, of you and your love and your presence and your blessing uh and your anointing father just uh, help us to uh, w- awake to this to this call that we're, we're receiving right now uh that the world needs the body of Christ more than ever and help us to to be there for the world help us to uh Help us to be Jesus, Father. Father, yeah, uh, I ask that you would be with Selena in her situation. Uh, you know that uh, you know what is needed, and we ask that you would see to that. Uh, Father, and also for for Lisa's brother's salvation, I ask that you would, would. Uh, we know that you're not willing that any should perish, but we ask that you would especially uh, tend to, to that situation. Uh, Father, for Janet Guzman, uh, I ask that you would be with her during this time of kidney failure and, and colon blockage. We ask that you would uh, give her comfort and, and healing and be with her, her loved ones as, as they uh, care for her and be with the, the medical staff. Father, my good friend Mike Brown is. Is in ICU this morning in Abilene, and he's battling, and we ask that you would be with him and his family, and be with the doctors and all who care for him. Father, the list could go on and on, but you know the needs better than we know how to, how to say them. So, Father, be with us now as we enter into this study. Be with Tim as he leads us. Father, keep us all in your way and help us to to be aware of Holy Spirit's presence in, in our lives, even as those people were so many years ago uh, on that Pentecost day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Terry, where are you at? How's your father? I was just thinking about him. As far as I know, he's doing okay. The test, I think, showed that he's all right. Okay. I don't know a lot, but uh, what, I, what I know is he's all right. Okay, good. Did everybody uh, miss Mr. Wallace this morning when you were coming in the doors? Yeah. Yeah. I sure did, too. I missed shaking that hand when I came in. So, you get a chance, reach out to him and encourage him a little bit, so... Yeah, he moved over to Big Spring. Yeah, yeah, he moved away. All right, turn in your Bibles over to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. Can you believe it? We've actually made it to the text. We're going to get into the text this morning. Um, before we start, I have a question I want to ask you guys. Of course, we're going to be getting into the career of Daniel. And uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the backgrounds that have led up to, um, that, that kind of give you the background and the history of of this chapter. Uh, Daniel is taken into captivity. How old? Anybody know? About 16. Some people actually think it's even younger than that. Some people think it's 13, 14, 15. We don't really know. Um, but we know that he's very, very, very young. Okay. And when uh, Nebuchadnezzar is on his way back home uh, after he defeats Pharaoh Necho down in uh, Egypt, um, he decides, hey, I got time for one more raid. <laughs> I'm going to stop off at Jerusalem and go ahead and siege that as well. And uh, so that's where this story is going to pick up. But before we get into it, one of the things I like to try to do is I like to try to ask a stirring question um, that has to do with the chapter. So I'm going to ask you this question. Don't just answer it. I want you to think about it for a little bit because the answer will have a little bit of a bearing on on how we live our lives as well. So here's the question. Will God give a person more favor in their lives if they live obediently will God give a person more favor in their lives if they live obediently what say you where's the microphone okay anybody want to answer That's quite a question. You're right. You got the answer? All right. Oh, sorry. I thought it was on.
2: The answer to that is yes. God will give us favor when we obey him. Okay. Does it make everything perfectly easy? No, because Satan is still alive and well. But God will give us favor. And I go back to where he says... Uh, don't steal from him with your tithing mm. because he will bless you if he'll do it in your finances he'll do it in every other area as well
0: you know it's funny you mentioned that scripture that's the only place in the bible where god lovingly invites you to tempt him <laughs> and test him right yeah. test me and see if i won't give you more than you can handle if you would just obey me and, and with the giving very good uh go ahead and then there's another I, hand back here oh, good. Okay, go ahead, I, Sandy.
2: Okay, I agree with Deborah, but wait, there's more, like the old infomercials. You know, if God has a divine purpose, he uses people, you know, like with these battles and Nebuchadnezzar and all, against his people as enemies, right. gave them favor at times. So that's part of it because he has a much, much bigger picture than oh, our little Oh, I see limited, where you're going with that. Limited vision. So that's also part of the story. So
0: in a sense, Nebuchadnezzar also gets some divine favor too. Absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. Absolutely,
2: yeah. And then thirdly, we need to remember the scripture, you have not because you ask not. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of my most favorite scriptures to pray for someone, especially if they're hunting a job, Psalm 90, 17, may the favor of the Lord be upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So we need to ask for favor for ourselves, for our loved ones, all the works, whether it's, you know, spiritual work or what we get a paycheck for. Uh, my son, for a time, he did not, he barely graduated high school, mm-hmm. and uh, but the favor of the Lord was on him. He had an amazing job. One time he said, Mama, you've got to quit praying for me for money because I don't know what to do with it all. And I thought, well, I could help you out there, son. But anyway, <laughs> I said, Son, I have never prayed for that, never will. Mm-hmm. I pray for the favor of the Lord to be upon you. And he said, Oh, Oh.
0: <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, go ahead and give it to Johnny. I think he has a question.
1: Uh, it, tells you, it tells you straight in the Bible that uh, he asks the prayers more of a righteous man. So if you're being obedient... That's, that's telling you right there off the bat that he's giving you favor of being obedient because mm-hmm. of, a righteous man is obedient. And uh, it tells the Bible tells that within itself. Yes, I agree with them, too.
0: Good. Very good. A lot of good thoughts here, guys. Very, very diverse uh, wisdom this morning, which is great. Yes, ma'am.
2: The scripture also says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's right. And he is gracious to those who love him.
0: So do we do things obediently to get favor? Yes. She says yes. You say no. No. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> Let's That's, put it this way. Do I like the favor of God? Yeah, I do. When I'm walking, what? I
3: was just going to say, does, does your children obey you because they love you or because they want
0: something from you? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. It's true. It depends. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you don't, it's, it is, it is both in, right? I mean, I I do love it when the Lord does things for us. Um, But at the same time, he does things for us because we love him so much, right? I mean, that's, that's the idea how the relationship's supposed to work. But you're right. The kids, yeah, they'll suck up all the time just to try to get something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we please God because we love Him. So it's an if-and-if question. Yeah, know? good point. That's basically if an if-and-if question. Well, so here's why I bring all that up this morning. Did you have another thought, Rick?
3: I just kind of tied on this last thought that we were talking about. <clears throat> there is no way, I mean, you can substitute the word grace for favor. Well you can't deserve it that's right which means you cannot do enough to ingratiate God to show you his favor you cannot make him owe you his favor, but you can live in such a way as to gain his favor and notice and that's the point that I want to make so really if you're if you've got another motive, you nearly really need to examine.
0: Your heart. which goes back to who was it that said the thing about james the book of james it, it, james says the same thing he says he says you ask not because or you have not because you ask, ask not but when you ask you ask but with wrong motives because you're trying to get things from god right he said that's a double-minded man unstable in all of his ways okay one more comment over here and then we'll go ahead and jump in go ahead max ann is a off, the wall. off the wall i like off the wall that's good Oh, man. We could do a whole class on this, guys. With with much has been given, much is required, right? We have a responsibility with all that God has given us. Okay, so here's why I say all that this morning. We're going to be studying about Daniel. And Daniel, you're going to find, is somebody that God places lots and lots and lots of favor upon. At the same time, you're also going to see Nebuchadnezzar, who, at least at this point, is a very wicked world ruler. I think Nebuchadnezzar has a big change of heart later. I'm going to share something with you that's going to shock you. I I would not be surprised if we find Nebuchadnezzar in heaven one day. And I just, I won't be surprised, and I'll show you why a little bit later in the text. I can't make that judgment call, but um, God does some things with Nebuchadnezzar, and yes, but God will do some things with him. Uh, a little bit later, and and it may change may change your thinking on Nebuchadnezzar a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. I'll throw it out there. Um, but you're going to see God's divine favor. The very first thing that we see is God is going to take Daniel and He's going to elevate him up to second in command. Kind of reminds you of another story in the Bible. Remember Joseph? Uh, God put very very high divine favor upon Joseph. Now, like you said, Maxan, when you have that much favor in your life, you have a responsibility. And Daniel is going to do a fantastic job carrying that responsibility. He is not going to to renege on any of his faith commitments to the Lord. And you're going to see that time and time and time again. And I think that's going to serve as a great example for all of us. The reason why I wanted to bring that up this morning is because I grew up with an understanding that God doesn't really show favor like he did in the Old Testament. God doesn't really act today like he did in biblical times. And that's just not true It is very important for us as disciples of Jesus Christ to live what? Obediently, right? And the Bible tells us that when we live obediently, when we... I like to liken it to a a river of the Holy Spirit flowing in the flow of God's direction, His will for your life. Well, that's where the water is. So if you're dry and you're thirsty and you're having issues, you got to jump in the water and go with the flow, right? Jump in the water and go with the flow. Okay, let's get into the text. Verse 1 And I'll try to share the reading of the text, so whoever has the microphone, I'm going to let them go first. There you go. Kyle, would you read um, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 for us? And if you guys have any thoughts or questions along the way, please just throw your hand up. Just let us know. it's know It's not turned on. And just to give you a little reminder, Jehoiakim was placed on the throne by Pharaoh Necho, okay? Um, Nebuchadnezzar later on kills Pharaoh Necho at the Battle of Carchemish. You've heard me talk about this a few times, right? Um, Necho places Jehoiakim on on the throne in Judah as kind of a puppet king, somebody he can control and uh, be a vassal and pay taxes to him and all that kind of stuff. Um, Both of these kings are evil. Both of them are sons of Josiah, which we talked about last week. Josiah was a wonderful king. He was a a restorationist in many ways. Um, But unfortunately, that did not carry over to his sons very well. Um, But I want you to notice, and this is something that we touched on last week. um, Who gave them into Nebuchadnezzar's hand? The The Lord did. One of the things you're going to see as we go through this text is that God is sovereign. He's sovereign over everything, over all the affairs of man, over all the rulers and powers and authorities. God has the final say. There is nothing that Satan can do. There's nothing that a ruler of this age can do unless God gives permission first, all right? So, uh, Sandy, to your point, God's showing favor, but in different ways, right? He's going to use Nebuchadnezzar to bring punishment upon his people because of their sin, now, everything that you're going to see happen to Judah during this time, and this is the very beginning of the 70-year captivity. Uh, Jeremiah talks about this quite a bit in his text. But this is all in keeping with the, the Torah. The, the Bible says in the Old Testament there were divine curses and blessings that were placed upon his people based upon how they kept God's law. And, and God made it very clear. He said, listen, if you obey me, I'll give you favor. And he even tells you what the favor will be. He says, you're, you'll have multiple children and your, your ox and your cattle will have multiple offspring. And I'll give you bounty in your, in your, in your gardens and you're going to grow and it's, gonna, it's just going to be abundance. But if you don't obey me, I'm going to take away those things. And if you keep disobeying me, I'm going to allow my hand of protection to come off. And if you keep disobeying me, eventually I will uproot you from this land. Well, guess what? That's where they are. They have disobeyed the Lord for 490 years. They didn't keep the, 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 the seven-year Sabbath for 490 years. Add that up, that adds up to 70. God says, you have not obeyed me, you owe me 70. And so he puts them into captivity. Now the name of Nebuchadnezzar, I'll tell you what, it's funny. We know his uh, Hebrew, the way it's, we say anglicized. Nebuchadnezzar is a Hebraized <laughs> Hebraized name. Here is his actual name. Uh, in in um, Babylonian, it's Nabu Kaduri Utsur. I always wanted to name a dog that, <laughs> Nabu Kaduri Utsur. All right. No, no, no. I don't even want to try. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even want to try to spell that. Um, oh, and by the way, thank you, Pam. That reminded me of something. There were several of you that asked me for notes last week uh, because we were going through the slides really, really fast. Here's what I would like you to do. If you would like notes, see me after class. Give me your email address. And what I will do is after each session, I will email you my entire notes for that session. And you can pick and choose and tear it apart how you want to, okay? Make it a little bit easier on us. Okay. So, uh, what does his name mean? Nebu. Nebu means protect my boundary. And, uh, or Nebu was the, I'm sorry, Nabu. Nabu was the god, the spokesman for Marduk. In Babylon and it means Nabu protect my land. Nabu protect my boundary. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's name means. You would often put the name of your God in your name as well. Um, Where is this? It says this takes place in the land of Shinar. Now Shinar takes, uh, Shinar is a word that occurs seven times in the Old Testament and it refers to the region of Babylon. If you want to think of it this way, Babylon is the city, Shinar is the zip code. Okay, It's the area of Babylon. All right, Now, I want to show you a little map of, of Babylon. This is going to show you a little bit of the vastness of the empire. You'll see the Egyptian empire down here on my lower left-hand side of the screen. That was Pharaoh Necho's territory. He was defeated in the Battle of Carchemish. Uh, so that whole area was taken over. They defeated Nineveh and basically just swallowed up that entire area. So this becomes really truly... The first world empire. Does that make sense? Now you could make an argument that Egypt was a world empire before. It was a powerful empire, but it was not necessarily a world empire. Babylon uh, is the first world empire. Just to kind of give you an idea, this is an artist's conception of what Babylon might have looked like from an airplane back then. Check that out. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's a metropolitan city. Huge. Here's another angle. You ever heard of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Right, the one of the seven ancient wonders of the world was located right there. That's Nebuchadnezzar, Nabopolassar's palace. By the way, which was found, which was found by Austin Henry Layard in the very early 1800s. It didn't look like that. It was <laughs> buried halfway underground. Um, but they said that when they went down inside some of those areas, they found rooms. There were tables still set up that had dates sitting in a in a, a, a jar, in a bowl, still sitting in there. I wouldn't try them. They were kind of old, but they were past the expiration date just a tad. Okay, Uh, this was the famous temple of Marduk that was located right there in the middle of the the town. Um, See the ziggurat? Not the cigarette, the ziggurat. (laughs) The ziggurat, the ziggurat, the ziggurat is a step stone pallet or a step stone temple. And that style you find all over the world, by the way. How many steps? Uh, there were—I have no idea. How right, many steps? I really don't know. Do you know? No. Okay. Well, I, I have no idea. I almost said there were 526 just to impress you, but I figured I wouldn't do that. So anyway, all right. So this is where the temple uh, sacrifices would have been made, um, right there in the city. All right. So let's talk about a little bit uh, of, about these kings just for a moment. You have Nebuchadnezzar. He's kind of the founder of the of the dynasty that winds up taking over this whole area. He reigns from about 627 to 605 B.C. He has a son who is a very great general whose name is Nebuchadnezzar. He's out. He defeats Pharaoh Necho. On his way back, he, he sieges uh, Jerusalem for the first time. This is where he takes the captives. Daniel's part of it. Takes the first group of people out. He finds out his dad has died back home. So he's got to scurry back to Babylon. Turns out this gives Jerusalem a reprieve for a little while, and uh, so he goes back, and he's going to um, inherit a bunch of advisors from his dad, Nabopolassar. Now these are just old hacks. Okay, these are just people that are are full in the palace, and they're all about power and control, and and he doesn't know if all these advisors that he has inherited are honest or not. So. He's going to do something very fascinating in the very next chapter. He's going to give them a test because he's going to wind up having a dream that's going to just absolutely floor him. It's going to upset him because he knows that it's from God or a God. He doesn't know which one yet. He knows it's divine and he knows it has something to do about him. So he devises a plan in the next chapter. He says, okay, I'm going to test you guys to see if you really are wise men. Here's the test. I want you to interpret my dream. And the advisors are like, well, that's great. Tell me the dream. And he says, oh, no, 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 you misunderstood me. Here's how it's going to go down. Not only are you going to tell me the dream, you're going to tell me the interpretation. And if you don't, <laughs> off with your head. Boy, you want to talk about job security, right? Okay, that's going to present a pretty big issue in the very next chapter. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar is going to have four kids. And really, we're not going to concern ourselves too much with these guys. But uh, Evil Morodach which is just a wonderful name, isn't it? Um, Nebuchadnezzar, when he finally does die, after 40-something years of reigning on the the throne, evil Merodach takes over, um, and uh, that's his brother. He doesn't reign for very long. Um, He also has a daughter that we really just don't know anything about at all. We know that she gets married. That's it. The ancient record says she got married, she moved away. Okay, that's all we know. Now, there's a, another son that he had, Neraglessar. And he reigns for about four years after evil Merodach dies. He has a son, Labashi Marduk. But again, for our purposes, it's not really important. Now, here's what's important. He has a daughter by the name of Natakris. Okay. Natakris marries a guy who is um, different. Let's put it that way. Um, they prime this guy. His name is, is uh, Belshazzar. Or excuse me, I'm sorry, not Belshazzar. Uh, Nabonidus is his name. He doesn't want to be king. Um, he is the ancient equivalent of what you and I might call a playboy. He likes to party. Um, he has no interest whatsoever in politics. And so what he winds up doing is he primes his son Belshazzar to sit on the throne while he goes and hangs out down in Arabia and just chills <laughs> Okay. Now, he acts as co regent in the area. All right. So he's co regent. This is the guy that's reigning when Persia comes. Right. Persia comes in the middle of the night, takes Babylon without a single fight. Belshazzar is the one sitting on the throne at that time. Okay. Let's get to verse three. Kyle, if you would pass it to somebody else. And who would like to volunteer to read for us? Verses three and four. Three and four. Okay. Max Ann will do it. Here. I got you. Get my steps in today.. <laughs> Thanks.
3: Then the king instructed Ashbanaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the
0: Chaldeans. The Chaldeans. I like that. What translation do you have? King, New King James. New King James. Okay, so yeah, the King James and New King James will often put Chaldeans or Chaldeans. Same thing, Babylonians. Remember how we said it's the zip code versus the city? Yeah. Okay, um, now, so what is the technique here? Why? Why, why do you think Babylon when they conquer a new territory, why do they they take the young nobles out? What's their their motive? What are they trying to do? So they won't fight against them, them, right? They're trying to take these young, impressionable Jewish kids who have influence and they're wanting to indoctrinate them and make them Babylonians, right? That's exactly what they're wanting to do. Um, So they had to be indoctrinated in all the ways of the Babylonians. They had to go through all their schooling, their training, their language studies, their view of history, their view of creation, by the way, they had their own view of creation. Um, how many have ever heard of the uh, story of Gilgamesh? The story of Gilgamesh. Um, scholars today, m- most liberal scholars will tell you that the, the story in the book of Genesis um, is, is made up. Because uh, it's, it's a flood story that was made up because we have stories that are older like the epic of Gilgamesh, we have cuneiform tablets that were discovered in Babylon that talk about the flood story and it predates the documents that we have that mention the story in the book of Genesis. And some people have a hard time with that and they'll say, well the cuneiform tablets are older so therefore the story is older. I don't buy that at all. We already said last week that every single culture, every single culture on the face of the planet, it's over hundred and thirty-seven civilizations have a flood story. Well, it makes perfect sense that Babylon would have a flood story because the flood happened there too. But just because one record is older than the other doesn't mean that one story is older than the other. It makes sense? Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and keep going. Verse 3 says again, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites. Uh, Now, don't let that term fool you. Israelite. Some of you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. I thought Israel was taken captive in 722 BC by the Assyrians. Why are they talking about Israelites? Because the term Israel can refer to the northern tribes only, or sometimes it's used collectively for the whole thing. Does that make sense? Okay, perfect. Verse 5, somebody read that. Yes, sir. Read that. Verse 4, the last couple of words. The last
3: couple of words of verse 4. Because it says, and they were qualified to serve in the king's court. Yeah. Well, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the call.
0: I like that. I like that. All right. Somebody read verse 5. 5, 6, and 7. Oh, thank you, Augustine. Mm -hmm. Five, six, and seven. The
1: king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. And he appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belshazzar to Shazzar. To Hananiah, he, said he named Shadrach. To Meshach, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego.
0: Okay, thank you. It's funny. We know them by their Babylonian names, don't we? Shadrach, See, VBS did that to us. Yeah. VBS did that to us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's not their names. That's their Babylonian names, their actual names are what Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. so memorize that and let 's say it next week no i 'm kidding okay all right, um, go back up to verse five, um, just a little tidbit it 's not really that important. it kind of is if you if you like to study some of the languages, but the word uh, when it says the young men in verse five, the king assigned them a daily amount of food. Um, The the word young men, it means, it's yelled. It means a child. Okay? Typically used of somebody under 13, by the way. Typically used of somebody who hasn't had their bar mitzvah. Um, But again, that may be neither here nor there. But the point is, he's very young. Now, here's the point I want to make. It says that they were to be trained for three years and that they were to be given a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. How good do you think that might have been? Let me tell you fuck, that folks that is not big cake, cola, and ramen noodles. Oh, they probably thought they had it made. That's right. They had the best wine, they had the best meat, okay? So they were supposed to fatten themselves up, right? They they're they're eating the filet mignon and the lobster tails, okay? They're probably,
3: like, they probably
0: like sitting out there like the food like... That's a great example, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. Going you've, you've seen me before, haven't you? That's what, Okay, so so here's the thing. What do you think was most likely on the king's table that would have been not so good for a Jew? Pork. You betcha. It, pork would have been eaten left and right. It was a delicatessen, all right, to, to the ancient peoples. Now, it's not so much the pork, too, but there's another added issue to that. In ancient society whenever they would prepare meat, you took it to the temple first. So you remember the temple I showed you in the center of Babylon? Okay, they would take it to one of those kind of temples. There were several of them in in the city. But you would make sacrifices toward the god, Marduk, or whatever god you worship. You'd sacrifice that animal to the god. Then you would take that meat and you would serve it to the people. Well, here you are, you're a Jew, and you're trying to be Torah observant. And what does the Torah say about these things? don't eat pork, don't eat things that are sacrificed to idols, right? Okay, so that's going to become a real issue here in in just a few moments, and you're going to see, again, what do you do when you're in a culture that becomes more and more and more anti-Christian? Well, see, you've got to be able to stand your ground, and so he stands his ground. We're going to see that here in just a moment. Okay, so let's talk about these names. Somebody had a thought? I thought I heard something. Let's talk about these names for a moment. I thought I would just share this with you. These are the names that are given. uh, The Hebrew names, Daniel, means God is my judge. Okay. Um, Hananiah, which is his actual name, means beloved of the Lord. Referring back to the true God of Israel. Mishel means who is as God. And Azariah means, the, or the, it, the, the word means, the Lord is my help. Now, I want you to notice how they changed their names. Daniel, they called him Belteshazzar. Now, don't get that mixed with Belshazzar. Belteshazzar is his name. And it means the prince of Bel. They took the name of Yahweh out of his name and put their own God in his name. Isn't that interesting? Hananiah means beloved of the Lord. They call him Shadrach, which means illumined by the sun god. Uh, Mishael, who is as god, they call him Meshach, who is like unto the moon god. Now stop right there for a moment. There's a little tidbit that a lot of people don't realize. The sun and the moon and the stars were worshipped by ancient peoples, right? Um, In Egypt, they called the sun god Ra, okay? Here... Um, I can't remember what they called the sun god. I think it's Shamash or Shamesh or something like that in, in Babylonian. Um, what are they doing by changing their names like this? Change, their change your identity. Change somebody's name, you change their identity. And if you notice in all the Hebrew names, they put the name of God in there, Yahweh, either through Yah or El, but they're doing the same thing in Babylonian. Yes, ma'am? And every time you say their name, you're honoring that God. Exactly. Exactly, exactly right. Now, a little tidbit about the moon god. In, uh, in in Arabia, around 500, 600, 700 A.D., around that time, in Arabia, there were all kinds of tribes, and they worshipped all kinds of gods. There were hundreds of them, hundreds of different gods. In one tribe, there was one moon god that was worshipped. And... Um, There was a man who claimed to be a follower of this moon god. And he believed that this moon god gave him special revelation. And said that there is no other gods but me. And you have to go out and conquer. And so he started conquering under the name of this moon god. To uh, get rid of all of the polytheism. Does anybody happen to know what the name of that moon god was in ancient Arabia? Allah. Allah. He was the war God, the moon God, okay? Um, People will say that Allah is the same God as the Jewish God. It's not the same God at all. Um, If you read the two books, one is very precarious and violent and um, immoral. And our true God is not. Our true God is not. Okay, that's the bell. We're going to keep going just a teeny bit more. Um, I think I didn't say Azariah. They renamed him Abednego, which means servant of Nego. A shining fire, all right? Look at verse 8. I love verse 8. I'm just going to go ahead and read this one. But Daniel resolved. That's what my translation says. What does yours say? Made up his mind. mind. Folks, let me tell you something. The closer we get to the return of the Messiah, the more our culture and our world is going to become anti-Christ toward us. Every day that ticks by from this day forward is a day that we're going to have to make up our mind. We are going to have to resolve as to whether or not we're going to live this life or not. And Daniel's going to serve as a great example. So here's what Daniel does. He resolves not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official. I love this. Listen, God Caused the official to show favor. Remember we talked about favor earlier? He caused him to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Right? So he's like, look, I'm in charge of you. And the king, he's not a very nice guy. You know, and by the way, did he have uh, cause to have fear over Nebuchadnezzar? You bet he did. Listen to this. I want to give you a couple tidbits. Jeremiah 39, verse 6. He put out, remember the king's eyes? He put out his, he killed his children right in front of him. And then he put out his eyes to ensure that that was the last thing he saw. Daniel chapter 2, when he would kill people, he would literally make their house a dunghill. He would kill them, their wife, their children, their extended family, tear down their houses, and put manure over it. This is not a dude you mess with, all right? Um, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 22, he roasted some of his officers in the fire. This is an officer. <laughs> so, dude's like, look, I'm not about to take you in there. I, I'm in charge of making sure you're, you're, fat you're the fattened calf around here. And if I take you in there and you look gaunt, he's off with my head. So what does Daniel do? Look at verse 11. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Sorry, I didn't move the text forward there. Uh, With what you see. So Daniel says, look, let's just do a test. Just give me 10 days. Now, in that interesting 10 days, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it, but isn't it interesting how many times in the Bible 10 days is always designated as a time of testing, a time of trial, right? Time of testing, time of trial. So verse 14, he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Um, Just as an aside, I wrote down Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 about the 10 days. I'm just going to read it to you. This is what he tells the church there. He says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you into prison and test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you, your life, uh, give you life as a victor's crown. Verse 17. To these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding... Of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So I want you to note that the word all qualifies the verse. It shows that it was more than just the knowledge of the Babylonians. They didn't just sit down and learn the stories about the Epic of Gilgamesh and all that nonsense, they had to learn the languages, they learned the history, the literature, the backgrounds. Um, They learned the linguistics, the architecture, the meteorology, the ergonomy, the sciences, the military sciences. They were put through royal education. But that wasn't the only education they got, was it? The Bible also says that God increased their wisdom and understanding in dreams and in visions. Why is that going to be important? It's going to be important because that's going to be the primary way God's going to speak to these kings, these Gentiles. Okay? What's that? It's going to save them. That's right. And by the way, I want to stop right here. Did the second bell ring?
3: There's been,
0: yes. It did. Okay. All right. I was going to say that that little in-between felt really long to me. We're going to stop right here, guys. Um, We'll come back next week. We'll pick up at verse 18, okay? And if you want the notes, please just come up and see me, and I'll write down your email address, okay? God bless.